0: Let's get busy, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, this is your holy word. We are your servants. Give us understanding that we might know your testimonies. You have prayed, O Lord, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. Use your holy, eternal, inerrant written word to set us apart for your service and for your glory. Show us great and mighty things which we do not know. The sower sows the word. Let not your word go out and return empty. But accomplish that purpose for which you have drawn us together. And for which you are sending it out. Protect us from Satan, O Lord, who will snatch your word. Protect us from from the world's cares and the passion of other interests which enter in and choke your word protect us from a wrong reaction to difficulties and discouragements and persecutions which make our hearts hard and unresponsive to your word rather, O Lord, plow up now the hard ground of our hearts give us good soil that your written word might send roots downward and bear fruit upwards. Unsheath now the sword of your spirit, O Lord. Cut to the dividing point of bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Judge now the thoughts and intentions of each heart gathered here. Spread your word before us as a banquet table, O Lord grant grace that we might eat of the rich meat and drink of the sweet milk of the great doctrines of your written word. Give us the heart of the prophet who cried to you. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. O Lord, we live in a dark and a wicked age. Broad is the way, and many are on it, which leads to destruction. Make your word a lamp to our feet. Make your word a light to our path. Show us that narrow way that you would have us run. And, Lord, as we run in the paths of your commandments Enlarge our hearts that in loving you We might be more obedient to your written word Drop your word against our lives as a plumb line, O Lord Grant grace that we might see how we deviate From its high and its holy purposes Make your word to us a mirror, O Lord Grant grace that we might not be as those who look and then go away and promptly forget. Make us active doers and not forgetful listeners of your written word. O Lord, because of our fealty to you, because of our undying love and devotion to your Son, our resurrected Savior, We pledge to you our total submission to your holy, eternal, inerrant written word. And we pledge to you our unquestioning obedience to all of its commands. In the name of our Lord and resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay. I am going to have to do a really good job today. Not only do I have my sister's son and daughter in my study, which causes me to do extra preparation every week, but Bishan is waking up at 4 in the morning. I got up at 4 this morning to begin preparations for my Bible studies, but I don't expect my attendees to have to get up at 4 in the morning. So God bless you, Bishan, and God bless you, Robin and Stephen. Now, we are going to be looking now at Roman numeral 3 in the notes on disciplining the children. Now remember, physical discipline or spanking is for ages 9 months to 4th grade, about 10 years old, or puberty whichever comes fir- first it is for children, it's not for youth, it's not for teens, it's not for young adults and I have known uh, especially people out of what I consider hyper conservative uh, sometimes they are reformed churches, sometimes they are hyper conservative Baptist churches or independent churches and they, they uh, feel that they can use the rod on a child as long as the child is in the home. And that's not true. Remember, your children will always be your sons and daughters, but they will not always be a child. If you take your son or your daughter who is uh, twelve, thirteen years old, and take them into a new church and they have the little booth there to direct you to Sunday school programs and you say, we would like to put uh, our child into the children's program attending children's church. Well, that would be very hurtful for a teenager, wouldn't it? Besides being humiliating because they're not a child. And it is the same way with discipline. So, we instruct Discipline, instruct, restore. Now with children, we use the rod. Once they are not a child, that's puberty or uh, age 10, whichever comes first. We we use other forms of discipline, and we will talk about that later. Proverbs 27.22 says, Though you pound a fool in mortar with a pestle, along with crushed Jane, his folly will not depart from him. So the rod does not work for adults. Now, what you see here is a mortar. See? This is a mortar. And this is a pestle. And you can put herbs or grain and thing in here. And you pound it up. Okay? That's what you can do with it. Now, if you get a giant mortar, big enough to put your teenager in, and you dump grain in it, and you get a giant pestle and begin beating him with it, his foolishness will not depart from him. The Bible says that. Why? I don't know why. Why does the rod remove foolishness from a child, but a rod does not remove foolishness from someone who is not a child? I don't know. The Bible simply says it. Uh, Now, we have to remember, though, that for rebukes and training to be effective, we must not have already raised up a foolish son or daughter. So it takes care of that when they are a child. A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. So if you've raised up a foolish son or daughter, not uh, not only is it too late to use the rod, but many of your rebukes and training will go go, uh, 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 unreceived. They will not be received. So it's very important during the window of opportunity to drive out foolishness from the child and still with him, within him the basic disciplines necessary to grow in wisdom and life skills. So if the foolishness has gone out from the child, then the child has understanding and when they get past the rod stage, they will be responsive to your rebukes. And corrections. So how do we do this for the child? Well, here's the 10-step process. This is how we do it. Number one, do not put it off. Act immediately. Do not put it off. Act immediately. And Eleanor is always reminding me that I try to uh, give uh, the people in my seminar um Dozens of passages on the rod, dozens of passages on discipline, dozens of passages on obedience, all these quiet times. And Ellen remind me, you know that you know perhaps the, they don't understand it, but that's not usually the case, John. They know what the Bible says. They just don't want to do it. It's a lot of work. So they purposely seek out teachers who will tell them what they want to hear even though it doesn't work and we said at the beginning of the seminar you have a right when people teach on child raising to know what their children look like what they are when, when my, teen, my, my children did not go through the terrible twos I reject any child raising philosophy that includes the word terrible with my children. My children were not rebellious teenagers. I reject any uh, philosophy of child raising that includes the, re- the inevitability of rebellion with teenagers. Rebellion, the Bible says, is a witchcraft. I was a terrible too. I was a rebellious teenager, but that was because of the negligence of my parents. They, their philosophy was, allow the child to grow towards his natural bent. Well, but the Bible says not to do that. Our responsibility is to train up the child in the way he should go, not the way he wants to go. There's a way that seems right to a man; that way is the way of death. That's why we have parents. So we act immediately. If you were in church. When I was not on the preaching rotation, rather than sitting up in front behind the pulpit, I sat in the back of the church, the very back with Eleanor and the children. Why? So when they wouldn't sit still, I could slip out, take them into the restroom in the foyer and spank them. When I was on the preaching rotation or had responsibilities at the front of the church, that was Eleanor's job to do that. Are you in the car? Sorry, you have to pull over. Are you in the market? Sorry, you have to leave the market and go get in your car. If, if, uh, if you cannot do it privately in the car, sorry, you have to go to somewhere where you can privately spank the kid and then return your shopping. Are you having a Bible study? Sorry, you have to stop what you're doing and spank your child. Are you, at the fan, are you at the Thanksgiving dinner table with 15 other relatives? Sorry, you have to get the child down and spank them. The grandparents are coming through the front door, and you say, um, Hezekiah, give grandpa a kiss, and he doesn't do it. What's that? Disobedience. That's two strokes. Sorry, you have to take Hezekiah back in the bedroom, instruct, discipline, instruct, restore, then bring him back out. Now, Grandpa is mad. Grandpa thinks the child is going to hate them. Grandpa thinks the kiss is not sincere. That doesn't matter. The child, with tears running down his face, gives Grandpa a kiss, and then asks Grandpa to forgive him for not loving him and respecting him the way he should. You act immediately. I had a relative. I told uh, one of my children to give them a welcome kiss. The child didn't do it. I took the child into the bathroom to spank them, and the, and the relative burst into the bathroom to stop me. <laughs> so I had the child sit on the, the toilet seat with the lid down, And I had a very frank statement. You raised your children, I'm raising mine. So, I won't burst into your bathroom and tell you what to do, you don't burst into mine. Or we can't visit with each other, except in neutral locations. So they they agreed on that. That particular relative raised six little hellions none of whom are walking with God or Christians and I didn't particularly want to add my children to his list what I had to do what Eleanor and I had to do the Bible says children obey your parents in the Lord once you're a child you don't have to obey your parents anymore the next verse says honor your father and mother Now that's a command that uh, goes beyond being a child. You will not always be a child, but your parents will always be your parents, and you will always be a son and daughter, so you have to honor them. But you don't have, through your honor, you don't have to perpetrate their wrong behavior towards children either whether it was negligence or anger or abuse or a laissez-faire attitude or a non-resident. You don't have to reproduce that. So one of the things Eleanor and I did was early in our marriage, we sat down and made a list. These are things our parents did which we want to reproduce. These are things they did which we don't. We're not going to do that and they would say why don't you try this and we would be very honoring and say thank you and we appreciate your input and then we would ignore it because it was bad advice respect number two at all times have the child look you squarely in the face the child must learn to look you in the eye and concentrate on what you are saying I had a judge in the circuit court Uh, here uh, where we have the um, we have county and state and federal courts here in Houston I had a judge who was in the federal court system he was in Bible study with me and he could not look anybody in the eye well that's a great gift that you give your children if they can look at someone and concentrate on what they're being what's being said. Now in some cultures to look you in the eye is rebellious. I know I was in Malawi and I was listening to these two parents talk about the missionaries I was visiting, and they said, Aren't American children so rude? And the other woman says, Yes, if you compliment them, they will look you right in the face and say thank you. Well That's not rude in America. That's respectful, isn't it? But in that culture, you're supposed to look down at the ground and then say say something bad about yourself. Well, I'm thankful that uh, these missionaries, since they were only going to spend six years in this culture, did not raise their children as little Malawians who would be considered dysfunctional when they got back to the U.S. and got in the school system. So in America, we look them in the eye and concentrate on what they're saying and speak up. If that's not your culture, Bishan, then you have to train your children to do what is correct in your culture. Uh, my uh, third child, I, their teachers told me on teacher, uh, teacher day, uh, this was in uh, first grade, I've never had a child, and this teacher, I mean, she had to be 40, 50 years old. I never had a child who was as attentive to my lessons as is Margaret. Well, that's a gift we gave her. Sit still, look the teacher straight in the face, and do exactly as she says. Well, they learned that at the dinner table. They learned that when we were doing uh, Bible lessons. They learned that at bedtime. They learned that at the doctor's office at church. We taught them to sit still and pay attention and obey. With my son, Sam, I really had to work with the teachers for them to take his education seriously. They would all say to me the same thing. I can remember in high school going to class to class. Oh, you're Sam's child. He's such a joy. We just love having him in class. I'd say, I know. I know he is. We work very hard at that. But he has, still has to do all his homework. Oh, you know, he's such a joy in class. Though I said, yeah, I want him on the front row. Oh, he does need I just let him sit anywhere he wants to. He runs errands for me. I give him stuff to do. He can be—he t- can be trusted. He's such a joy. I know, I know, I know. But in the meantime, he has to learn algebra. Okay. I had a guy in the ministry named Bill at Texas A&M University, and he was. Uh, having uh, dinner with us and uh, Sam was probably about two years old and um, I was instructing Sam uh, he hadn't disobeyed but I was instructing him on something and when I got through Sam went in to, cl- to continue doing what, what the instruction was in terms of picking up his toys. And Bill said to me that he he wished he had learned to do that when he was a boy. It would have made his life so much easier in school and in the university if he had learned just to be quiet and listen. And I know Sam used to say that. He'd say, Dad, these guys... uh, Sometimes it's on the uh, baseball field when the coach is talking. Sometimes it's when a teacher is talking, when it was in the military. He said these guys are their own worst enemies because they will not simply concentrate on what is being said. They won't be quiet. I'm thinking to them, just be quiet and listen. You cannot win. Life will only get worse. So that's a great gift you can give your children, is to teach them to respect authority, both verbally and non-verbally. So, stop immediately. Demand respect. Then instruct communicate clearly to the child about the fraction on his or her level. If you have a nine-month-old child who has just uh, been playing with one of your potted plants and knocked it over, and you say, oh, uh, Hezekiah, uh, mommy is so upset with you, you have disappointed me so much. That was Grandma's plant that we brought back from the funeral. It is very special to Mommy. And now you've knocked over the plant, and I'm going to have to repot it. And you've made a big mess, and Mommy is so upset. What does Hezekiah hear? Mommy, blah, 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 blah. Grandma, blah, 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 blah. Mommy, blah, 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 blah. Because those are the only two vocabulary words that you used in that whole interchange that a nine-month-year-old understands. You point at the plant and say, No. Then you point at the child, Obey. I Look me in the eye. No. Obey. For hands on cheek. Spank. Now, Now that child understands those things. When they're a little older, you say, What did you do? What did Daddy say? What is that? What happens? Tell me again. Why are you being spanked? And when they're a little older, you say teach them to say, I will obey Daddy quickly the first time. I never ask it twice. So you instruct. Then you discipline. You administer... A stroke, not on the hands, not on the arms, never slap a face, not on the back, not on the thigh, on the buttocks. God has created the buttocks. No one knows why we have the buttocks. I took a physiology course, I took a soci- an anthropology course, <laughs> I took a biology course and when they get to the buttocks it's a mystery not a lot of nerves no bones just a bunch of fat okay God created it so we could spank our children there in an isolated spot this is not indoor sport or entertainment for children And I had a man in the ministry here in Houston who had three daughters and he would discipline one daughter in front of the other two. And those daughters loved to see their sisters get disciplined. In fact, they would provoke each other just for the entertainment. If one of our children were going to be disciplined and any of the other children smirked or laughed, they got disciplined also for being cruel, for not being kind. In fact, uh, we had a rule that if Sam was playing with his sisters and any of the sisters cried for any reason, Sam got three strokes because we were raising him to be a ch- Christian gentleman. And Christian gentlemen are gentle with women. He could read books to them, he could play games with them, but he could not roughhouse. And when I, when occasionally he would forget that, and I would come up and he would look at, I know, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm going to my room, because he knew what he was going to get. His sisters would be crying, sometimes holding each other. No, Daddy, he didn't mean to. I'd say, no, no, this is not about mean to. This is about character. You girls should never put up with any boy who hurts you. And I'm training Sam to be a gentleman. And you should know in your heart of hearts that if you are becoming interested in the young man and he hurts you or is rude to you or harsh or physical with you, he's not a Christian gentleman and you get rid of him. So I would instruct the girls, and then I would go discipline Sam. He would have to come back, he, they would all hug and kiss him, we would restore them. We discipline quickly and sharply. It's a stroke. Remember the verse in Proverbs, strokes that wound cleanse away evil. They reach the innermost parts. It's done in an isolated spot. It's not indoor sport. The child should not be humiliated. You should also be aware of social fanatics who will report you. Who report you for spanking, for abuse. I've told this, it's not against the law in any state in the union to spank your child. But there are people who will report you for child abuse and I've talked to s- several social workers in the greater Houston area who says they are, get so angry at the social activists who report a parent for spanking their child and then they have to spend all their time following up and doing a case study on what are in fact good parents when children who are being tortured and starved are going without notice because they're being, their time is being consumed by these social fanatics but they're out there and you have to be aware of them if our children as a result of spanking had a bruise on their bottom and they were at an age where their uh, diapers would be changed and they would see that bruise they just wouldn't go to church till the bruise was gone uh, after after they are putty trained, you don't have to worry about that. No adult should be looking at their bottom. So it's done in an isolated spot. It's done in a controlled and set manner. The child should be concentrating on the infraction and the change. Not on what may you may or may not do next. We all know the frustration of people who discipline in an arbitrary manner, whether it's a school teacher or an employee or an impar- or a parent. That's very frustrating. The co- child should be concentrating on the infraction and change. There should not be fearful preoccupation with discipline. What will mommy do this time? One time she lectured me, one time I got ten strokes, one time I just got a couple of pats, another time she laughed and thought it was funny. Rather, there should be a clear understanding of the discipline. We'll teach you that you get, you administer one, two, or three strokes. And the end result is always clear. It should be hard enough to hurt or leave a red mark one of my parents, one of my uh, relatives called Eleanor and it wasn't your mom Stephen, It's <laughs> another relative and said our daughter won't stay in bed that's how you know it wasn't your mom because there are no daughters running around in your house and, and Eleanor said well I'm really surprised uh, do you? she said yes I instruct discipline, instruct, instruct And she said, well, uh, put the phone, this was back when uh, you had cord phones, so the phone actually had to be laid on the counter, and let me hear, here, give a stroke on your hand. And the mother went, no, she said, that's right, no, no, that's not hard enough. Get the wooden spoon and do a stroke. And she went, no, 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 that's not hard enough. Where, is your? Is it a stroke? Well get the get that ridden spoon up, it has to be level with or on the other side of your shoulder blade. Okay? Now bring it down hard. Whap! And the mother went, ow, and Eleanor said, Great. Now that's a stroke. And the child within a week was staying in bed. For two reasons. One is the child was not had the foolishness was driven out of the child. And second is, there's no child that will exchange getting out of bed for three strokes with the wooden spoon every time they do it. We spank on the buttocks. You uh in no other place. I don't know how that. That should be not. You spank on the buttocks. Not. should be a knot in front of that not the back of the thigh not the fleshy part of the arm never on the hand, on bone face or head because you are not hitting you are disciplining in the discipline of medicine where does the doctor give those shots in the baby's what bottom bottom And if I went to the doctor and he was about to give a penicillin shot to my child in the cheek, or in the uh, on the top of the hand, or in the in the fleshy part of the leg, or in the forearm, I would tell him to or in the face, I would tell him to stop. I wouldn't let him do it. The discipline of medicine and the discipline of the rod for a child goes the same place. do. Do not allow the child to throw a temper tantrum or lose control. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. We would tell our children, lie on the bed or lie on the couch, put your hands on your cheeks. And if they wouldn't do that, now we had to crank it back one step. Now we had to discipline them on how to receive discipline. And so we would work on that, maybe for a week. Lie in the bed, put your hands on your cheek. If you don't do it, you will receive three strokes. If you do it, you will not receive three strokes. But we would teach the children to do that. Uh, A good friend of mine who also teaches this seminar would tell his children, Lean over and put your hands on the toilet, because he would do it in the bathroom, because he didn't want to associate the the children to associate the bedroom with discipline, because he said then they might have nightmares. And I said, well, none of my children are constipated, because they know I don't do it in the bathroom. But in reality, none of that is true. Your children are not going to associate the environment where they receive the discipline with some sort of lifelong scar because you are going to restore them, aren't you? Instruct. Discipline. Instruct. And then you restore. The last thing they remember is receiving hugs and kisses from mommy and daddy and then being praised at how obedient they are. Instruct, train, after administering discipline, reinforce why the discipline is given. The cause should be stressed, not the result. Why are? Why did you get your spanking? I broke the glass. No, I've broken glasses, I've spilled water at the dinner table, mommy has done that. You are more important than any glass or any beverage that's in the glass. Why are you being disciplined? I disobeyed by crawling up on the counter or crawling up on the table or reaching for something rather than asking for it. That's right. You disobeyed. Say, I will obey daddy quickly the first time. Instruct, discipline, instruct, refor- restore. Why are you bringing discipline? I broke The vase. No, I've broken vases. Mommy has broken vases. You are more important than any vase that has ever been made in the world. What did you do? I disobeyed. That's right. What did you do? I was throwing the ball inside. That's right. You know you're not allowed to do that. Say, I will obey Daddy quickly the first time. Now, lie on the bed and put your hands on your cheeks and they receive the strokes one two or three then they get up then you instruct why did you do it I disobeyed by throwing the ball that's right not not just I threw the ball but I disobeyed that's the key isn't it one stroke is for instruction I didn't concentrate on instruction two strokes is for disobedience I disobeyed you three strokes is for rebellion. I rebelled and threw a tantrum. I rebelled and threw the Lego at mommy. That's right. I disobeyed and threw the ball in the house. That's right. Then you restore them. You kiss and hug and calm them down. You reinforce the command. No. Obey I will obey mommy quickly the first time. You see, it's very important for later in their ability to learn wisdom and life skills. Then you restore the relationship immediately. You reestablish the relationship. Discipline both from the Heavenly Father and the Earthly Father intensifies the relationship rather than severing it. Discipline from the heavenly father and earthly father intensifies the relationship rather than severing it. So, you don't spank the child and then send them to their room. You don't send the child to a timeout. The, the child uh, wants to hug you. You say, no, it hasn't been long enough. I'm still mad. I'm not going to hug you. That's a character deficiency in you. In your inability to forgive, the, to love the child and discipline them rather than to be angry at the child and vengeful and punish them. So you hold the child on your lap or in your arms. You hug and kiss the child and you keep the child close to you till the child is calmed down. Sometimes, if it has been a specially difficult discipline time, I may have a short playtime or share a treat or a soft drink or something. Life should back up as if an infraction never happened. You never bring up the past. I Isaiah 43, 25 I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake and i will not remember your sins for i, I jeremiah 3134 i will forgive your iniquity and their sin i will remember no more luke 1520 and he got up and came to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him felt compassion on him ran and embraced him and kissed him Remember, we instruct, we discipline, we instruct, and then we restore, just like the father of the prodigal son. One of the most common questions I get is, doesn't the child find that immediately restoring the relationship and expressing love confusing? Doesn't he find that confusing? And I say no, he doesn't find that confusing. This is what the child finds confusing. He has listened to your instruction. He has received discipline. He has then submitted to post-discipline instruction. And still that's not enough. This will both confuse and embitter the child. Thus violating Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And there's nothing more confusing that causes a child more angry than to receive instruction but and discipline, but it's not enough, and to be living in some sort of purgatory. And that does not prepare the child for a good relationship with God the Father or a healthy marriage. I would say most of the problems that Eleanor and I face in marriage counseling comes from the inability of one spouse, the other spouse, or both spouses to forgive and forget, to just, you know, to walk away from it. They're always harboring and reliving these hurts. Proverbs seventeen nine. He who covers a transgression seeks love. He repeats a matter, separates intimate friends. Do you want to be friends with your spouse? Forgive and forget. How many times have we talked about this? How many times have I told you? Well, I'm a, why am I? Oh, why are we always having to go over this over and over again? You know, when are you going to? When is it? Go, when are you going to learn not to overspin? When are you going to learn to be home when while dinner is hot on the table? When are you going to? When are you going to be a more careful driver? When? When are you going to? Well, and you keep bringing up the past. Well, you're going to separate, intimate friend. Does God do that with you? Do you come to God and say, I want to ask forgiveness? And does God say, I'm tired of hearing this. When you get your life straightened, I'll come back to me. Is that how God acts? No. And so we shouldn't be that way either with each other or with our children. Now, Let's look at how this looks here. He who covers a transgression seeks love. See that in your notes? The father of the prodigal son was seeking love. Immediately when the son repented, what did the father do? Restoration. He got up and came to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran and embraced and kissed him. What's the second half of that verse? But he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Who's the man who repeats a matter? King David and Absalom. He kept the child at arm's length. And Anselam answered Joab, Behold, I sent for you, saying, Come here, that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Gesher? It would have been better for me to still be there. Now therefore, let me sing the king's face. If there is iniquity in me, let him be put to death. You know, because what happened when Absalom came back as the prodigal son? What did King David do? He said, No, I'm still mad. You go out and live in this apartment I've got for you in the edge of town. When I get through being mad at you, you can come back to the palace. And so Absalom became bitter. He became angry. He got involved in vandalism and rebellion. It eventually led to his death. Notice what Epsilon said. Hey, I've done everything. I've confessed it. I've repented. I've returned to my father. He won't still look me in the face. Let him put me to death if he wants to. But don't leave me in purgatory. And our children will become bitter and frustrated if we stick them in purgatory. There's no purgatory. You see, if you put the child in a timeout or in his room, is he alone? No. The child, when the child is isolated, he is left to the whispers of his flesh. And he can grow bitter as he listens to the rest of the family having fun while he's stuck there, isolated. When the child is isolated, he's left to the whispers of the devil. He's not alone. And we don't want to create situations where our children are alone like that. That's why they have parents. So I never used timeouts. I never sent our children. I never sent them to their um, room. I knew a man whose uh, parents would send him into the garage, the dark garage, and just leave him in there. That is child abuse. the uh, during the Korean War the Chinese found that through sensory deprivation they could make the most hardened marine officer into a pliable bowl of jelly through sensory deprivation sensory deprivation is cruel punishment and should never be used with your children it's effective but it's cruel and damaging to their character. See, because what we do not want is oppression. What we want is obedience as a result of wise behavior. So, you're having Bible study in the living room and your little toddler comes in, maybe one year, 18 months old, and they look at the plant as they walk in and you say, Tina, no don't touch, no at which point Tina reaches out and brushes her hand against the plant and toddles off well, uh, Robin what will the other ladies in the Bible study do? they'll laugh that's expected behavior but what do you do? You don't laugh. You immediately go get Tina and retrieve her. Now, you're not going to do this in front of the other ladies. So you take her into the bedroom. Tina, what did Mommy say? No! That's right. Mommy said no. And then you point. And when, At this plant, Mommy says no. If you can move the plant in the bedroom, all the better. If you can't, you just say, plant, no. What is that? Tina has to say no. No! Now, Tina's crying. Does the Bible say crying drives out foolishness? No. Is it a good wisdom and life skill to use tears and emotions to punish and avoid consequences? No, it's not. There's many an unhappy marriage that's based on that. Or Tina grabs you and begins hugging you, "I'm sorry mommy, forgive me." Is that a good wisdom and life skill? To you try to use a folk, a face love and affection to avoid consequences? No. So you would say make Tina say no. That's right. Tina? No. No is spank. Now, if it, if Tina is an older child, you would explain the number of spanks and why. That's right, Tina. No, no, it's two spanks. Whoa! And then you say, "Hands on your cheeks, don't kick," and then you apply the rod. Whack! Wait a couple seconds. One hippopotamus, two hippopotamus. Okay, Tina, number two. Whack. You see, Tina knows exactly what you're going to do and why. At this time, you take Tina in your arms. Why did mommy give you the spank? What's that? Tina says, that's a no. Say, obey. Obey. Then you restore. You love on Tina. You reinforce she's a good girl who who obeys. You hold her. You calm her. Uh, I would sometimes take my child in if I was spanking the child to their mother and say, Mommy, listen to this. Go ahead, tell Mommy, I can obey Daddy first time. Oh, then they would cheer and hug the child. Obedience should be reinforced, shouldn't it? Why do parents not discipline? Remember, Eleanor reminds me. The main reason parents do not discipline is obvious. It's a lot of work. Cooking dinner? You have to stop. Stephen comes home. Dinner's not prepared. I've been spanking Hezekiah all day. Stephen says, great, I'm here. I'll take over. What's the issue? You can play tag team. It is true there are times when adjustments have to be made, but in the big picture the basic elements should always be in place. If you are at a wedding reception and there's no place to go there may have to be some adjustments. If the only place to go out is outside and it's pouring down rain that's when your children learn the, me, the meaning of the word wait till we get home. So. Another reason is that the child's behavior is not important to the parent. That's another reason why parents don't spank. The parent's just not that convinced that obedience is that important. I had a lot of parents tell me when my children were little. You're just expecting your children to act like adults. Well, what do you say when they say that? No, I'm preparing my children to act like adults. That's what I'm doing. Well, when your children get older, they're going to rebel from all this discipline. No, no they won't. The foolishness will be driven out of them. Now, when they're adults and can choose to rebel, like Demas or Judas or Adam, they may choose to, but I, I pray they won't. You, on the other hand, your children will rebel because you've raised them to rebel. They'll just continue in the same direction. You haven't done anything different for them. A par- parents need to understand that we do this for the parent's standing before God. For the child's moral standing before God. For the child's future success. Convince, conviction or lack of it, personal ex- preference or lack of it is subject to the Word of God. Whether you are convinced or you have a lack of conviction on this. You have a personal preference or lack of personal. None of that matters. It is the Word of God, and you have been doing those quiet times and have seen how important this is to God. Spouses must adjust their expectations to allow for the discipline process. Mealtime. Mealtime may be late. I came home one time, the dinner wasn't started, and Eleanor said I had to spank and name the child about 15 times today. Nothing has gotten done. That child is a strong Christian parent who married a strong Christian spouse and is raising strong Christian children. But we had to bend that child in the way they would go. But the harder, the stronger the will of the child to disobey, the stronger the will of the child to obey if it's bent in the right direction. Getting picked up at work may be late, phone calls may be cut short, meal preparations. uh, leaving on date night may be cut short your date night may be cut short because you have to get the children obedient before you can leave them with the babysitter and I would tell the babysitters I want to know exactly about the behavior of the children because I want you to babysit for me next time and I would only have babysitters who would tell me the truth and if a child disobeyed their grandmother, disobeyed the grandfather, disobeyed the Bible the babysitter, out of bed the child came. They disciplined immediately. And you usually the child wasn't asleep because they knew what was coming down the pike. They know what they've done. You discipline immediately. Remember the goal. Our child's success that our children would grow up to lead lives both fruitful and fulfilled in their relationship with God and man apart from the parents while still maintaining a loving relationship with the parents. So what you think, you look at the child and think, is this behavior leading them to success? You reinforce it and praise it. Will this behavior result in failure. You discipline it and change it. Don't make excuses for your children, they know what they're doing. See, this is a progression, each building upon the other. Submission to authority, self-control, wisdom, life skills, which leads to independence. But first must come submission to authority to receive, in this case, discipline. Next week, we will look at five areas of discipline that result in the fruit of the spirit of self-control in the child. Then we can go on and look at wisdom and life skills. Uh, Bishan and Jason, if you go to the website, www.gciweb.org, And then you go over to the, uh, on the right-hand side, there's a section that says, Hear God's Word. If you click on that, and for the search, you can do it by series. Find the Family Discipleship Seminar, and you can play catch-up with uh, uh, Stephen and Robin if you're going to continue in this study. It'll be important for you, between now and next week, to listen to the first two lectures on the scriptural foundations of discipline, obedience, okay? May God add his blessing to his holy word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. and okay, great. I really enjoyed the time together. So we can ask now questions. You can unmute yourself if you want to. Unmute, unmute, unmute. I'll unmute, ask to unmute. Oh, I've muted me. Did I mute me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? You are muted. Now I'm unmuted. You are muted. Now I'm asking you to unmute. We'll keep playing with this. Okay, Stephen and Robin, first. Any questions about the dues? No? Well, it doesn't matter. I still can't hear. You're still muted. So, this is an interesting thing here. This, this muting business. So, well, oh, you can hear me. That's the important thing. Uh, this has never happened before. Uh, Stephen, is there something you can do on your end, or am I doing it on my end? Okay. What's that say here? Mute my audio. I'm not going to do that. Um, audio settings. I don't see that. A lot of times there's this thing where I've accidentally muted everybody. You might need to update your Zoom, your Zoom when you get off this call. Okay. That's that's good advice. Okay. So I'll do it. So... Uh, Okay. Participants. I've got four participants. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, There I am. I'm looking at different views. So, okay. Well, since uh, you don't have any questions, you can email them to me, and we'll meet next week. Okay? Now, I'm uh, beginning to lift the restrictions off you, Stephen and Robin, because now you're learning some things. Remember I said, don't, don't be like that little Tasmanian cartoon devil, you know, that just with wooden spoons. to. <laughs> but you guys be coming up with um, areas of discipline. You can start working on those. And next week we're going to look at what's called the Big Five. And you can read ahead on the notes if you would like to. Well, I will say...